Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast, where we focus on real Canadian rugby. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Bissett. Derek, we have had the final stage of the pool games in the Rugby World Cup. We've had some men's rugby action going on in South America. And there's the continuing competitions going on in Europe as well. Were you able to catch any of the games over the weekend? And by that, I mean, <laughs> we all wanted to watch the uh, men's game take place in against yeah. Chile and Brazil. Unfortunately, that stream uh, was unable to continue after, I believe, 15 minutes. So we just had to text up there. But apart from that uh, minor technical issue, how is your rugby watching? Yeah, week? It, it was good. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually... Uh at work um on friday afternoon while that game was happening so i didn't even realize that the stream was down uh the first time i got a chance to check my phone i saw a tweet saying that there was nine yellow cards in the game and quickly wondering what the hell is happening down there um so that was kind of wild and uh yeah nine yellow cards it's a lot man they based this basically it yeah. was basically it looks like it was basically a league game at this point um because yeah. i'm not sure how often they actually had 15 yeah. guys on the field for each team well, I think yeah, it was tribute because the rugby league World Cup is currently happening now. Yeah, no idea, no idea who's winning, who's leading that. Do not care. Do not care. It is the it is the second most important rugby World Cup that is currently taking place in my. Opinion. I was going to say, so, you know what, this game and the rugby league World Cup have in common is that nobody was able to watch it. So it's, yeah, exactly. So. Um, but I think. Yeah, so it was like that was good. Um, obviously, yeah, the World Cup, the World Cup continued to, uh, you know, to, uh, ha- you know, have a lot of entertaining games. Obviously, we'll dive into the Canada game earlier, but you know, we got the uh, the quarterfinals decided, and mm-hmm. I mean, no, no real surprises there, I guess. Um, you know, Canada, New Zealand, and England, the only three undefeated teams through the pool stage. So, yeah, uh, you know, kind of interesting that uh, the way the draw goes is, uh, I mean, as we'll talk about later, but Canada ends up with a essentially just a rematch with the United States, which is fun. Um, right. And, uh, you know, plenty of other uh, great matchups for the uh, the quarterfinals, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But, um, you know, it was an exciting final round to close out the tournament. Lots of uh, great tries, lots of, uh, you know, exciting play that was uh, showcased down in New Zealand. Um, yeah, so it was great. Um, Saracens, 6-0. and Just get that little mention in there. Uh, well, the Ospreys lost to the Dragons, so it looks like it's going to be another long season down in Swansea. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame. That's a that's yeah, dang. Yeah. But anyway, let's uh, stop talking about uh, all these minor games and let's focus on the real uh, meat and potatoes. And that is the clash between the old enemy Canada versus the USA. So the team that was ranked uh, third in the world versus the team that was ranked sixth in the world at the start of the tournament, at least. And you know. Canada had already qualified for the quarterfinals, so if, as long as they had at least one losing bonus point, then they would have topped the pool stage. So, you know, it was this was more an effort of get things done, uh, try out some new things if possible, uh, don't worry about it too much kind of thing. And then, of, of course, I say that, there's also the pride factor coming in. If this had been any other team, sure, you may have, you know, gone a little bit easy, maybe uh, gone a bit more wild in what you want to do. You know, you don't need to get four tries yeah, you unless do. you're playing the USA. No, and you then, need to get four tries. 
15 from 15 is different than 14 from 15. That is true. Yeah, but, you know, as in even from a group stage performance, as in if if you're top in the pool, you already know you're making to the quarterfinals, you're probably going to have a better draw of the dice. However, because of the way that the pool is drawn, it is of the ranked position. So whoever of the... um, first place in any of the pool stages they would be ranked one two and three and they would be so team one be facing team eight team two would be facing team seven team three will be facing team six so ideally like the higher your number is the theoretically easier your opposition will be in the quarterfinals so obviously every team's just gunning to get uh that first place which was won by the host new zealand who will be playing wales again um <laughs> A lot of in rematches uh, in the. I uh, think. Well, this is the well, interesting. I guess the thing. two wild card teams at the end kind of can go anywhere, right? Yeah, it was one of the things as well is that because of there only being twelve teams and because of the draw of the quarterfinals. Remember, this is the first time that a women's rugby World Cup has had quarterfinals mm-hmm. in it, um, and because there's twelve teams, it is this like awkward draw of um, these teams get to go through second team gets to go through and then it's the top two of the three third teams go through and you know if it was going to be 12 teams at the next world cup as well i would say maybe put in like a rule of saying that if you played this team in the pool stage you don't have to face them in the quarterfinals that but however the next world cup will be expanded to 16 teams so my assumption is they're going to just take the top two from each pool and then we avoid this mess altogether again so it's fine this time around i was gonna say i don't i don't really i would disagree with that like i don't really think it's a mess i mean it's just the nature of you have three pools so you get the pool winners that all go in um or the top two or whatever all go in and then you have to finish that off you need the two wild like essentially they're wild card teams and i mean yeah. those teams got to come from somewhere right so there's obviously the chance that they're you're going to end up and i mean to be honest with you too like it, i think it's it's great you get the little the like, like i mean for canada the usa like it's another like big rivalry match it's a little, adds a little bit more intrigue knowing that you know the high going even going into the game the high possibility that the two teams would be playing again Right. Yeah. So it does add a little bit more uh more intrigue to like how you maybe strategically go about it as we kind of saw once Canada wrapped up that bonus point, started pulling out uh Kevin Ruiz started pulling out a lot of key players like Sophie mm-hmm. Goody, right? To rest uh yeah. rest up for the quarterfinals or let's talk about the game itself. So um started off with a Canadian try coming from who else? But I believe the leading try scorer in this tournament, leading uh, point scorer in the tournament, leading point scorer, as point well. and tries. Wow! So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, five minutes in, driving mall. Who else? The Emily Totosi, dotting down for the first try of the game. Um, the conversion was unsuccessful in this instance, but um, sure enough, we had a follow up by Tessier scoring in the fifteenth minute. That one. Uh, got the boot of Sophie the good. I mean, at that point, when you're that close to the post, <laughs> Sophie, you really should be kicking those. Um, then it was Kelter for the USA. So the Americans getting their first try of the game at the 20 minute mark. Uh, Kelter then converting her own try. So always good to see. Um, and then just before the end of the first half, we had Farries come over for. 
uh, her first try of the game and Degudi able to get uh, that conversion as well. Uh, second half uh, was you know a bit slower pace. You know, um, obviously Canada's looking to get the bonus point, but the USA are putting a bit more pressure on them this time round. Um, they're having their own tack, you know, and you know both teams are racking up errors as the games go on as well. So that's like killing momentum for either side as things are going on. Um, and then it looked as though that uh, uh, the USA had scored a try um, from Tess Fury. Um, however, it was uh, reviewed that uh, an American player had obstructed a Canadian defender, and as such, that try was disallowed. Yeah, just a little bit of obstruction. Yeah, just a little bit of obstruction with her bit. entire body connecting. Yeah, with just, just the entire, no intention to wrap or anything like that. But either way, um, there was a turnover. It got Canada within um, space of a line out, uh, not a driving mall this time. And as such, it became a, a goal line dropout, but that was able to be uh, brought around. And then it was then brought for another driving mall this time uh it seems though the players were going for Totosi but it was actually Olivia de Merchant who was able to get the bonus point try for Canada um you know it wasn't the end of anything you know the USA had been pushing and you know they still wanted to prove that they um you know could get Canada on the ropes obviously it had pretty much been a foregone conclusion that the USA would qualify for the quarterfinals and would be playing Canada again. So they wanted to send a message saying, you know, we're not going to take this line down. I'm going to show you what we're going to do. And um, Canadian, uh, Canadian, sorry, American captain uh, Kate Zachary was able to get over to the try in the 70th minute, uh, which Kelsey converted as well. Uh, but that wouldn't be all we would hear from uh, Zachary because Eventually, you know, a lot of frustration and uh, Zachary committed a deliberate knock-on. The referee gave a yellow card. So the final couple of minutes, uh, the USA were down to 14. And that allowed uh, the final try to be scored by Michaela Nelson, uh, just diving over the line. And the clock had gone red at this point. Um, Holly stepped up to do the conversion. As we said, uh, Sophie de Goody was uh, off at this point. Uh, unfortunately, that conversion went wide to leave the final score, Canada 29, USA 14. And it was announced earlier this week that um, both Taylor Perry, which was announced just on the broadcast uh, before the game against Italy, but as well, Brianna Miller are out of Canada's squad for the Rugby World Cup. It was actually reported that um, Brianna Miller had what was described as significant internal injuries from the game against Italy. So, you know, wishing uh, both Miller and Perry the swiftest of recoveries, and we hope to see them in Canada jerseys again. Unfortunately, you won't be at the World Cup, but, you know, hopefully we'll see them don the maple leaf once more on their route to the 2025 World Cup. So, Derek, what did you make of this game? Yeah, man, I loved it. Um, it's obviously, uh, you know, n- obviously uh, nice to get a win uh, against the United States um, wherever you're playing that, yet alone at a World Cup. Um, obviously, the bonus point, um, very key um, for like position and standings and all that. Really nice to just, you know, 
can we talked going into the tournament um that you know canada is one of the best teams in the world right yeah um fully exp- you know like the expectation is probably going into the tournament is probably minimum semifinals and like you know there's a you know every like there's reason to pick them to win the tournament as well right yeah um so um having that the team come in go three and oh in the pool stage picking up a bonus point in each of them going being one of just two teams in the tournament to go 15 from 15 as far as the points table points that you can acquire in the pool stage is uh it's obviously great right and you know i know you know throughout along the way um you know especially if you look at like social media and stuff during games um along the way people may like you know point out a couple handling errors or a missed tackle here and there but you know overall like at the end of the day you know there's obviously always going to be room for improvement and there's still you know um you know area to grow and keep improving as the tournament goes on and obviously you want to peak keep continue to peak as the tournament goes on too um, but you know, at the end of the day, they were a, they're a team that is expected to, you know, do some great things at this tournament and they got the first job done, right. They, uh, yeah. ran through the pool stage. Um, none of the games were particularly close either. Um, right. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Score and try score and tries, especially through the mall as evidenced by the fact that, um, Emily Totosi is the leading scorer of the tournament. Yeah. Um, the mall it looks unstoppable right now and, yeah um well uh there were a couple of instances where it was stopped but we'll talk about that later yeah because we'll the, the it was stopped because the usa didn't set up a mall because the mall's unstoppable exactly well yeah right so yeah, yeah there you go um th- yeah um so like the the mall's looking pretty unstoppable right now and you know, uh, which, you know, is unreal. And I mean, like, it's, you know, looking forward to next week, right? That's going to be one of the, I would imagine it's going to be a continued talking point because the USA lineout wasn't very good. Um, mm. Canada stole the ball three times in the lineout, um, had a f- handful of others that they just kind of m- helped make it like really messy. Um, Goody and Sabota were outstanding at just, you know, getting up in the air and disrupting whatever USA was throwing at them. And and I think like that's going to be something we are probably going to be talking about a lot leading up until into the game next week, because like that seemed to be like a big area where the game kind of like where Canada has a very clear and decided edge and, um, you know, as a way to score a lot of tries and a way for like, you know, the USA maybe giving up a couple opportunities because they missed lineouts or lineouts got stolen. Right. So, you know, that's certainly going to be an interesting area of the game going into next week. Um, this game as a whole, though, um, man, um, Alex Tessier at 10. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, love that it. Was it was, attack was, um, so dynamic. Um, I like, you know, um, to talk about it, like a couple players here, that one play in the first half where Tessier chose to inside their own 22 chose to kick ahead for Corrigan to run onto, and that's how they got out of the 22. Yeah, that um, was... Just inject that into my veins all day. <laughs> I love watching that stuff. Um, 
And, uh, you know, that obviously went to Corrigan, who just kept racking up meters after meters every time she touched the ball. Hell of a way to um, break in your first ever World Cup game. Just a casual player of the match award. Yeah. Um, you know, some she had some outstanding runs, um, not only off that play that I just mentioned, but, um, you know, the build up to Tessier's try, the build up to a couple other tries, getting Canada into some great field position at other points. Um there was just some some just brilliant play like all around um for Canada too. Mm-hmm. Um there's obviously you mentioned the um Olivia de Marchant's try, right? And it's like what like is so great about that too is it's like Canada chooses to like run the ball out of the 22. De Goody gets a huge line break, a couple phases, Tessier gets the ball and kicks down into um you know, deep into USA territory. The chase from Corrigan is like unbelievably perfect. Yeah. Right. She makes a great tackle. Cal Juvi gets there and gets there too, gets a breakdown steal. And it's just, it's like, that's, you know, all that comes from just the confidence to kind of run the ball out of the 22, but also just like flawlessly executing the entire way up the pitch, whether that was like, you know, support. Uh, Cause that's the play where the goody kind of like, like has a huge line break and then to borrow a football term kind of does like a little like button hook to yeah. kind of come back to her like team to make sure there's support there. And then the support gets there and they're able to like continue the balls kicked ahead Corrigan with an unreal chase. Um, Cal because uh, the Americans just isolated there um, with the steal. And then obviously we talked about how great the mall is. So they just execute at the line out in the mall. Um, Watching like tries like that develop are, you know, those like, man, just bot- bottle that up. But if you can do that for 80 yeah. minutes, like there's very, there's probably not a team that can beat you in the world. If you can bottle that up and play like the, yeah. do that for 80 minutes and um, it'll be, that's going to be tough for any team in the world to beat you. If you play, make those types of plays and play like that, yeah. um, you know, through like the rest, like the rest of the game, like Ferry's try was sweet too, like that. Um, because that came after um Canada was held up over the try line. Yeah. Right. Um. So I got um. So you know the mall didn't quite pan out on that play, but um that came there and it was just a really quick counter attack. And Ferry's has been Ferry's has been outstanding this tournament too. Um. Yeah, I think. And, yeah, Ferry's yeah. and uh. To me, a lot of the backs have had great tournament, like Ferries, Kaljuvi, um, yeah. Alicia Corrigan, even though it was her first game in the World Cup, yeah. just, you know, set um, the pitch alight. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of like the the forwards and stuff are all playing really well too. I mean, obviously, you know, that's a big, um, you know, the fact that the, uh, the mall is working like as well as it is too, like, you know, just kind of go to uh, the fact that the uh, like the mall is working as well as it is is obviously like you know a credit to the forwards, but even like you know like Paquin, Totosi, test um Paquin, Totosi both had thirteen tackles in this game too, right? Like they're up, you know, um showing off like incredible work rate and things like that too, mm-hmm. um that you know are you know obviously key to helping teams win. Um Canada, Canada's been doing unreal like a great job at the breakdown throughout the tournament. There's obviously, you know, uh, Sophie de Goody has been a monster. She had a handful of like steals and drew a couple penalties in the breakdown. Um, Seemed like the USA was, you know, kind of struggling whenever uh, she ended up at one of those breakdowns. Um, So like that, obviously I think had a big factor in the game too, because, 
you know, like throughout the tournament, that's kind of been two areas where Canada seems to have an edge on a lot of the, uh, on at least the other teams they played so far in the pool stage is the breakdown and the set piece. Right. And to be like, I mean, like those are two really, really big areas of the game of rugby. And then um, in this game, I think more so than the Japan and Italy game, like the attack kind of seemed a little bit more dynamic. Like when you start seeing, um, like those plays that we uh, yeah. we were talking about with like, you know, that set up those tries or whatever, right. Or even like yeah. when you have a team that has the confidence to just be like ball in hand, let's, you know, we're, we're on, we're 10 meters out from our own try line, but we're going to run this. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it works and it pans out or we're going to kick ahead and we're going to have, you know, Alicia Corrigan in stride is going to be able to run onto the ball perfectly. And, you know, we're going to end up in your 22 in five seconds. Like um, when you kind of have, a team where you start building up your attack and it gives the perception of like you can score from anywhere. Like that's tough for defenses, right. To, to handle. Cause you gotta be kind of, you gotta be thinking about more things. Cause now you've, you've seen Canada show the ability of, um, you know, being able to attack, like even in like, you know, maybe not the, the best position on the field, but, you know, showing the ability to attack from even inside the 22, which they were using to create a lot of offensive opportunities yeah. in this game. And I'm sure it's going to be something that the, the USA coaches are looking at uh, yeah. pretty in-depthly as the the week goes on up until the rematch. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess there were, like, plenty of positives to take away from this game. Again, another five-point win no losing bonus point to the opposition no try bonus point for the opposition as well so you know always good i'd say that the only areas of concern that can be addressed um in this coming week are mainly um things that we've already been talked about such as uh there was still a fair few number of like missed tackles mm-hmm. that um could have been could have um made the score a lot closer than it actually was um also a lot of when you get these like new attacking plays as i say new as if they haven't been coached on this for the past two months um but when you have like more attacking plays or the more opportunity to attack a lot of yeah. uh, passing um was going to like feet and mm. there were a few like issues with that and i th- i i don't want to isolate Pelletier, but i think it's also because you know, she's had to come in to cover um, for uh, Miller at scrum half. And a few of those passes weren't going to uh, the right position on the player. They were going to the right player, but their feet and not their hands. So, but, you know, as the game went on, um, accuracy improved. So, and it's just something in the back of my mind. of like, I fully believe that come the quarterfinals, uh, Canada can put in like a similar performance, get the win, make it through to the semi-finals, qualify automatically for um, the 2025 World Cup. Um, but one thing that really stood out was, and it was brought up by the commentators as well, is that it's taking players a like half a second to a second uh, too long to support players. So there was a number of turnovers that the USA won, and it was just because um, the Canadian attack wasn't getting there in time. And you mentioned it yourself when Sophie de Goody got that break and then found herself uh, on all sides by the white shirts of American players. She had to basically stop and turn around and see where uh, 
the rest of her teammates were because they were just a little bit too far back. And, you know, obviously these um, athletes are basically doing like an endurance, full contact endurance. You know, they're going uh, 80 minutes getting like hit and running and running back and then catching and so on and so forth. But it's cases where you see that like certain American players were able to get there and support their players uh, in tackles and in rucks and stuff like that, while the Canadians were just a little bit behind the times, so to speak. But I do believe that all these things can be addressed this coming week. It may may even be 4D chess of America. Yeah, we're playing the Americans next week. We don't want to give away all... uh, uh, answers at this one point I, so. I don't even i don't even know if it is like i mean if it is that like i mean like i get it like there was a couple like canada had a, but like if you kind of look at the world rugby stats that they have it's a, basically according to that the americans only had three turnovers the whole game um so it's like yeah when support's slow there's a turnover so you notice it um but also like I think that that example I was trying to give with the Sophie DeGoody plays, like I think that's just a smart play from DeGoody. And then like she does that, she takes makes that little move that buys her teammates time and then the teammates secure the ball, right? Which is kind of what you want to be doing. Um, so yeah, the, there was three turnovers and stuff. I think like there's a couple of things that like, I think like, yeah, there's a few missed tackles and stuff that I agree can come up a little bit higher. Um, and stuff the uh the handling errors in this game to be honest with you i'm really curious because world rugby's stat page doesn't divide it i'd be curious to see what the handling errors totals were like for first half versus second half um for canada because like the first half was just like canada had the ball way more yeah and it's um like it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like they had the ball the whole time and it's like there's going to be handling errors that like handling errors are going to happen and you obviously want to minimize that but i think when you have the ball i think maybe as disproportionately as canada had it in the first half um it looks like there's a couple more handling errors but like in relation to how long they had the ball it's not that it's not that bad like i i guess what i'm trying trying to get is like i remember um i was working for like a hockey team and the coach pointed out that like he doesn't like look at like the giveaway stats very often right because it's like if you take the nhl and you look at the giveaway leaders they're all some of the best players in the league but the reason that they give the puck away is because they have the puck all the time right so it's like they're Uh, giveaways right so it's like i think sometimes it's like at a game like this it's like a like I didn't find the handling errors that bad up uh, to me because I was like in the first half I was like Canada just has the ball a lot, yeah, right. And it's like you know like the USA doesn't have that many handling errors because they didn't touch the ball. Like you didn't, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah, yeah, I get. It. You it's don't like, have the ball. You can, like in order. It, it's one of those weird things where it's like in order to make a handling error, you almost have to be doing something inherently right to even do yeah. have the opportunity to screw that up. It, it's it's um, like. Um... It's basically biased statistics. It's like yeah, exactly. Like, well, right. well, like, those, those guys made like ten handling errors, and we only made one handling error. Therefore, yeah. we're better handling the ball. It's like yes, but you only but held the ball once. You had yeah, exactly right. It's like you held the exactly right. And it, you know, it's kind of like similar things. It's like you, you know, like um, it's like the losing team usually 
I don't think in this case, but like for some, there's some stats that kind of correlate like that. I find where it's like the losing team's going to make more tackles. Yeah. That, that's what yeah. generally happens. Right. And it's like, you kind of look at that and it's like, maybe that's because they're good defensively, but also it's maybe because the other team had the ball a lot more. Right. So they had to make more tackles yeah. and they were losing. Well, actually, um, interestingly, um, from the stats from this game. Yeah, Canada, no, I know. I said Canada made more tackles, but you know, I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure there's a ton of people yelling at me that that's completely not true. Anyways, <laughs> I'm prepared to fully show me like a list of games that have happened. Um, but like, hey, you know what? I'm willing to learn. So if you want to feel yeah. free to prove me wrong on some of these theories and stuff too, yeah. even the handling error thing, right? Like, I mean, obviously those are all things that you want to like the obvious. So the point that I'm trying to make is that, yeah, the ha- yes, there's handling errors. Yes, there's missed tackles. Yes, there's other mistakes that the Canadian team has been making. But at the same time, it's like they've dominated these games. Yeah. Right. Like at what point in over the watching um Japan, Italy, USA, as a Canadian fan, at what point were you worried? Uh I think the I was worried when Japan scored a try immediately after Canada scored a try. But all right, sweet. But, that, then, but that was only a temporary thing. Um yeah, exactly. Like at what point I, okay, I think I'll, it's, I'll rephrase this. At what point were you like, I'm concerned Canada's gonna lose this game? Oh, never. Never. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's all like locked up. And I mean, it they've like it's all been locked up and it's you know, yeah. so I mean from that point of view, yeah, like I'm I'm happy with the way the way the tournament's gone, it's like there's obviously going to be areas in which you can improve. And yes, obviously, like even like the hockey coach uh, analogy that I was using earlier, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, some of the best players in the NHL give the puck away a lot, but you would prefer that they don't. Yeah. Right. Like even if you do have the puck a lot, you obviously don't want that. Um, And same with, like here, it's like, yeah, you obviously don't want handling errors. You don't want missed tackles. Um, and you do obviously want to improve on that, but I don't think those those details like are obviously stuff that you have to address. But at the same time, Canada's dominating all these games, right? So it's like I'm sure it'll. Um, I don't know. It gives me confidence going into the pool stage, especially realistically quarterfinals. A team you already beat, so it's a team you already beat using the exact way that Canada is going to beat teams too, right? So I don't like. I'm looking at this quarterfinal right now, and it's like Canada needs to do basically what they just did this week, right? And it's kind of going to be on the USA to figure out a different game plan to counter this. Yeah, it's uh, going to be basically the USA need to... If they do have a trick up their sleeve, it's now's the time to show it because because this game, yeah, you know, even if you have... Because of the loss against Italy, you know that you're just going to be like the third-ranked team. This was the game for the USA to you know, mix it up, try something new. If it does work, great. If it doesn't, don't worry, we've got another game plan to fall back on. So I'm interested in how the quarterfinal is going to go, because obviously there's much more on the line than a pool stage. Um, but again, I don't see the overall result being different. I see another strong victory for Canada, and then in moving on to the semifinals. Let, let's not talk about the semifinals for now. Let's just uh, focus on um, uh, what's coming up directly ahead. And let's talk about some of the other results that happened this weekend. So first up, we had Australia versus Wales. Now, I don't know if I'd mentioned this, but 
being a Wales fan, I'm uh, usually very pessimistic, and uh, my yeah. pessimism uh, was right again. Um, you know, it was a close game in the first half, and very. It turned out there was very few scoring opportunities for either team, but in the end, it was Australia that walked away uh, victors, thirteen to seven. Wales getting the losing bonus point, um, which was also enough for them to qualify as the eighth ranked team for the uh, semi, not semi, uh, quarterfinals. So congratulations to them. Uh, Scotland, they have had a they've had a tough tournament. I think there's been. For the games against Wales and Australia, I think there were instances in which they could have won either of those games. But against New Zealand, the Black Ferns wanted to keep their 100% record going as well. And boy, did they do it. Um, is a try five points? Is it going to be seven points? Well, New Zealand added both of them together to make 57 points over Scotland. So yeah, final score 57 nil. Uh, that was not the only game to have a nil score in it. Uh, we have France um, playing against the newcomers Fiji, and they put them to the sword as well. Final score, France 44, Fiji nil. Then we had Japan versus Italy. Um, you know, this was uh, started off again as a close game, but then Italy, you know, ranked um, fifth in the world at the start of the tournament. Um, really... Uh, punished uh, Japan as well. Final score, Japan 8, Italy 21. Uh, I think I used punished a bit too early because uh, the next result seems absolutely punishment. So England uh, have this knack of uh, not losing. And last week they played France and were unable to get the try bonus points. So they took all the tries they wanted to score in that game and combined it with all the tries that they were going to score in this <laughs> game. And we get the final result of England 75, South Africa nil. Yeah. Oh, boy. That... Yeah, so probably yeah. probably a bad time to mention that uh, Canada beats the, the winner of Canada-USA plays the winner of England Australia. We don't we don't need to talk about the semi-finals now. That's that's uh that's a bit too far in the future. Let's just focus on the next match that is coming up. And yeah. that will be a bit of deja vu because it is going to be against the USA. And this time it is going to be slightly later. It's going to be uh burning the midnight oil for the O's of us on the East Coast uh, because it is an 11:30 p.m. kickoff uh Eastern time. And that will be on Saturday, the 29th of October. So this coming Saturday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time and 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Right, we're going to keep it talking about the Canadian national team, but we're going to move over to the men. But it's not their full senior squad. It's only their Canada 15 playing because the Americans Rugby Trophy... Um, was playing its second round of three. Uh, Chile had already put in a victory over Brazil and just needed another win to win the trophy, and they were playing the Canada 15 as well. It started off well for Canada. Um, not only did they have the first try of the game, but the stream was working. Uh, you know, and Chile got back in with a penalty, and then after 15 minutes, if anyone was trying to watch the stream, uh, it stopped. So... <laughs> Uh, there now. To be fair, um, it was organised by Brazil Rugby. There had been releases from Rugby Canada earlier 
to explain there had been technical issues and technical issues were still ongoing uh, because it originally was meant to be on the Brazil Rugby uh, YouTube page. Instead, it was then moved to Rugby Canada. Um, those who did watch any of the stream noticed that it was very choppy. Um, so unfortunately, all we have is a highlight uh, video that doesn't have any audio with it. And we just have the press releases from Rugby Canada as well. Um, so the final score was Chile 15-36, Canada 15-25. So the Chile 15 have won the America's Rugby Trophy. Congratulations to them. Um, so we had tries by uh, Ben Lesage. We had a try by uh, Lindsay Stevens. And we also had a try by Josiah Mora. Um, kicking from the tee was Cooper Coates, who scored two out of three conversions, as well as two extra penalties as well. Unfortunately, the penalty count did go in the favour of um, Chile, who had Videla and Garafulik um, doing the kicking. Uh, Videla was able to score all three of their conversions, and as well as four penalties, while Garafulik was able to get um, a penalty as well. Uh, but the main thing that was given out in this game was uh, yellow cards, uh, <laughs> with Canada getting four yellow cards and Chile getting five. Like So Silva gets a yellow card in the third minute for Chile. Um, then Rumble gets a yellow card in the 12th minute for Canada. Then there's a bit of uh, handbags at dawn with Iceman for Chile and Connor Keys both getting yellow cards in the 32nd minute. Then uh, Corey Thomas gets a yellow in the 47th minute. Uh, back over to Chile now, where Martinez gets a try. Uh, so not a try, a yellow card in the 53rd minute. Then Otero in the 61st. And then Garafulik in the 62nd. So for a moment, they were down to, I believe, um, someone said that they were down to 12 players. But I think there's, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there should be enough overlap just for uh, two minutes of play. Um, unfortunately... Uh, sorry, unfortunately and fortunately, yeah, my words make up. That's when Stevens got his try. Of course, after that try, Martinez was back on the field, and then, uh, but then it was a try for Chile from Vonken, uh, at which point their lead is just extending and extending and extending and extending, and it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a uh, disappointing to see an eleven point difference, obviously coming from penalties uh you know referee uh damian schneider you know not being afraid to reach into the pocket and uh show the players who's in charge um but yeah as we said a uh, tribute to the uh rugby league world cup that's currently going on at the moment uh we also want to give a big shout out to rugbyers and hockeyers on twitter they were keeping the score uh they're a chilean um uh, Twitter account. They were keeping the score for the game. Were able to get the uh, updates of who was being yellow carded, who was uh, scoring tries. That was um, good to see. And yeah, this it's very hard to talk about this game because all <laughs> we have are the tries being scored, uh, the penalty kicks, not even the reason why they're penalties, and these press releases. Yeah. Um, so we just we watched the um, highlights of the game just before mm-hmm. uh, recording the podcast and. You know, there were good incidents. Like, I think Ben Lesage's try where he like runs on and like uns- he, he obviously found a gap and a nice was able to get the ball down. Yeah. yeah, that was great. And but also as well, it was just a case of 
if anyone had been in his way, they would have been knocked back because yeah. he's just coming at such full force. Um, then when you're looking at the Chilean tries and you're just thinking like, oh my goodness, how were you able to let that happen? Like Escobar's uh, try in the 19th minute, that was like painful to watch because he's just breaking through tackles, Fuck getting stick, over. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moore's and, try was sweet. Was yeah, Wongan's try was... Uh, yeah, for Chile, I, their, their final try was just, you know, excellent um, ability to read the defense and able to spot a gap and go over there. So, you know, well done. I, I meant Josiah Morris' try was sweet because yeah. this is a Canadian podcast and I'm praising I, Canadian players. I know, but uh, I've, I've got I've got to be honest. I'm a fan of Canadian rugby, but I'm also a fan of rugby. And that try yeah. was, was really good. good. But more, more was try, you know, try. It was a good rugby try. It was a nice cross field. It, it is, but it was. Tackles yeah, I'm, I'm getting to the try, man. I'm getting to it. I'm building up to it. Because Mora, when he scored the try, you know, he was dancing, avoiding tacklers, getting twisting around, getting that ball down. And yeah, you know, like, you know, just great to see. So, I mean, we've had... Um, like Canada had two tries in the space of seven minutes. Obviously, they conceded mm. that try for Chile. But you know, um, in a game which was defined by the boot um, more than anything from uh, the penalty spot, it was great to see. Um, you know, just final tries happening in like quick succession. I, I admit, in the highlights package because you can't. We didn't <laughs> see this live. Yeah, um, yeah and you know. Uh, and you know, we say Canada 15. This was pr- a pretty senior first yeah, 15 that it's... came up, which, which I, I can understand. As in, if uh, if the rumors are true that Chile and Brazil wanted these as fully capped games, these are the games yeah. that they were going to have their first 15 play. Also, uh, Chile are doing a European tour in a couple of weeks during the November tests with uh. If I remember, they're playing against uh, Romania and Tonga. Then they're facing Sir as well. So that's three games that they've got lined up. Um, and then I know Canada are playing uh, the Netherlands and Namibia, but I think it's the game against the Netherlands is the 12th. And I think Chile's game against Romania is on the weekend of the 5th of November. So a little bit earlier and... Uh, you know, obviously, obviously, when you've got a team that's already qualified for the World Cup, you want to get more opportunities against um, opposition on your level. And you just want your team to be playing together more often as well, just yeah. so you can have that cohesiveness. So, um, yeah, Chile have already won the American Rugby Trophy, and it's now the determinant of who's going to be second in the competition as Canada will face Brazil. Or I should say Canada 15 face Brazil. <laughs> you, you know what you know what I mean. You know what I mean. And um, it was announced earlier today that we have the starting lineups for these teams. There's very uh, there lots of changes from the game against Chile. Um, Kyle Bailey steps up as captain uh, with Connor Keys. That seems to be like the most senior players in this. Yeah, no, squad. this is this is this is great. Yeah, like yeah, um, th- th- this is this is something that we've been wanting to yeah, see, and the I, purpose of this competition. Yeah, like looking at the last game, like you said, it's difficult. It, it is difficult to talk about the the game against Chile just because you can't really watch it, right? You're going yeah, you, you highlight yeah. packs and stuff. Um, so it's tough to yeah. be like, hey, this guy played really well. This guy played really well. Um, some like, I mean, cool things though, or obviously like it's nice to see Cooper Coates get a shot at 10. That's fun. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously made some kicks in the game. 
Um, again, can't really comment on how well he played otherwise, but that's nice. Um, Josiah Mora in his first game, uh, I guess not his first cap, but his first game for the uh, men's fifth, um, you know, the senior men's 15 side. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, he has, he has enough caps from sevens. He, he doesn't need yeah. any more, just yeah. a second. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see him get that try there. I thought that was a, uh, a great play. Um, but I think ultimately, like looking at the lineup last week where it was like, you know, especially in the pack where the pack had um, the pack had Quatrin, um, Key, uh, Larson, Keys, Rumball, Bailey, and Thomas in it. Um, yeah. it was kind of like, man, that's a like, I like the back line last week, but I was like, that's a lot of vets in the pack. Um, yeah, but, like I'm looking at this lineup now and seeing like the pack is going to be Murray, Steve's, I mean, Keys, Bailey, Stevens, Keys, Bailey are still there, but it's like, so you got three vets, but the, like three, I guess, more veteran players. I, um, but like you get like, you know, Murray's still really young. Steve's is still really young. Um, Klimchuk, Rattan, and Vicalani, all really young players. Like, I like that mix. Yeah. That's good. I, li- I like, yeah, I like the pack. Um, yeah. Jason, I also mentioned that Jason Higgins was in the, was on the bench. The last game, but was withdrawn at the last minute. He is yeah. now starting. Great in again. So yeah, it'd be great to yeah. see him. Um yeah. yeah, Robbie Povey and number 10 this time round. Coach yeah, moving back to right. fullback. And uh but I love eleven through fourteen though, just yeah. more uh so like you got Casey and Russell in the in the centers with uh Mora and uh Bowen on the wing, um, which you know, like that's that's fun. Like this is what, yeah. Um, you know, even the bench too. Um, Emerson Pryor's there, Connor Young's there, Isaac Kelly's there. Um, and then uh, you got the McMullen twins, uh, Talon and Dakota, um, locking up yeah. uh, the two, uh, you know, back spots on the bench there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this, it, like, this is the yeah, type of lineup I wanted to see at this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this right. is. Right. Yeah. Th- yeah. As a developmental tournament, you want to have yeah. a little bit of experience coming in, and that's who that's who you have with um. Uh, Keys and Bailey has locks, and yeah. then in on the bench you have like Quatrin, um, you have Corey Thomas and Ross Brody. I, I say that as more well, they actually have caps to them. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. As in, like, not you know, like five years like worth my, of experience, but enough that you know yeah, they know the setup. They know mix how it's a couple go. guys yeah. in just for like the leadership on the field yeah. and stuff. You, I think. I think it's good. My only change, I would have, I guess, oh, okay, Bailey's the captain, I guess. Kingsley Jones anointed yeah. Bailey is the captain. So yeah. because of that, let's say, I, the only change I would make is I would have Kelly starting instead of Keys. Just okay. Because I'm like, yeah, like, th- put the, I, like, that's not like no disrespect to Connor Keys or anything. It's just you're a yeah, more, but, he's but, a more veteran. Yeah, player. I get it. This is, this is a, this is a developmental tournament. You're meant to be developing new developing players. You're meant to give right. them the opportunity uh, to start in games yeah. they wouldn't otherwise start exactly right and it's like uh, um i personally like again same same idea like i love that like guys like rumble and lesage aren't gonna be playing in this game yeah right and it's you know just because like uh, this to me is what like this tournament should be about um and like you know it's the kind of developing and even like like going into like the test games that are going to happen later. I mean, those are test matches. So you obviously they're a little bit more important and you would want to win those, but I hope to see like, 
you know, a handful of these younger players. Um, like I said, it's tough to really comment on who played well last week because we don't really have anything other than a five-minute highlight reel to go off of. Um, so it's tough, to, but it's like I would like to see like a few more of these guys maybe like start integrating them into like the test side when they get there. Obviously, you're probably going to have more players, m- more of like your full proper test side level players for a test match. Yeah. Um, but I would still like to see that starting to integrate more. And I think like, you know, I, I know I kind of, I know earlier I kind of complained a little bit about Canada, maybe not wanting this to be a test match, but if not making it a test match allows a lineup like this, it's also just kind of like, even if Brazil and Chile wanted it, I'm like, I don't know, you're Canada. Who cares what Brazil and Chile want? Like, yeah. do what's best for for us and going forward right now. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I'm looking forward to seeing this this lineup play on. It's Wednesday, right? Wednesday. Yes. So Which I guess be... it's today if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, hopefully. so Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um... The game against Brazil uh, it will be on this Wednesday. The kickoff time is six uh, thirty p.m. Uh, oh, Eastern time. I'm not working at six thirty p.m. That's excellent. Yeah. Six thirty p.m. Eastern time, three thirty p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, October twenty-sixth. Um, they do say that broadcast details will be confirmed with the host union mm-hmm. and announced prior to the match. But it, if it's anything like uh, the last game, it should probably be on YouTube. But we will keep you up to date on that, and we will let you know when we know. Right, let's move on to laws of the game. Now, last week I did say that we were going to be talking about rocks. However, we're going to be talking about the strong weapon that has been helping Canada make its way to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, and that is the mole. So the mole consists of a ball carrier and at least one player from each team bound together and on their feet. So that means there has to be two players minimum from each side for a mole to form. Uh, Once formed, a mole must move towards the goal line. So the attacking team, in this case Canada, um, mainly they do their driving moles in the 22. So they're going towards the goal line to score a try. Uh, the offside lines of a mall are the rearmost foot of the last player. So when a player must join a mall from an onside position, that means they have to join from that player at the back, and then their feet becomes the new offside line. Um, so players who leave a mall must immediately return behind the offside line, and then they can rejoin the mall. So this is when you see... Uh, Canada pushing towards the try line, you'll see um, the opposition players break off and then run back around to get to the back of the mall to have a defense. I mean, obviously, it's Canada, so it's not going to work, but you know, you got to try. Um, so yeah, once a player joins from the onside position, they must bind to the rearmost player in the mall, and the head and shoulders must be no lower than their hips. So you can't be pushing in the butt you can't be pushing on the legs you got to be pushing around the torso area must be higher than the hips so during a mall players must endeavor to stay on their feet and remain bound to the mall and they must be moving forward if the ball carrier is brought to the ground legally they must make the ball available to play and open play continues during a mall players must not intentionally collapse a mall or, as I found out in the laws when I was reading it, jump on top of it. That is, yeah, don't do that, ever. That it, that doesn't make any logical the sense. The best Just... part about that, though, is those are the type of, like, 
is it okay i'm looking at your notes is it written in brackets in the actual thing no it is oh. written in and you want to know why because someone did someone it Someone did it yeah and they had to be like yeah okay this time okay but don't do it again <laughs> and now we have to write it down because I love, greg did it one time in all sports i love the rule or the rules the laws um well in other sports i'd say rules yeah. Um, but in all sports, I love like the laws that you know are there because someone did it and they were like, damn it, um, we have to change this now. Yeah. yeah. Um, other things that players must not do include attempt to drag an opponent out of a mall or take any action to make opponents believe that the mall has ended when it's not, such as saying that uh, if you say, like, oh, the ball's out whilst the ball's still in play and other players then remove themselves from the mall, that is an example of things you can't do. Yeah. Once a mall has started, if all defending players leave the mall, the mall can still continue. And defending players can rejoin, provided they bind with the frontmost player of the attacking team. So you can't just grab someone at the back and pull them out. Has, has any team ever done that? Try to stop the mall by just having all the defensive players leave? That seems like a bad idea. Uh, well, it's written down, so it probably has happened. <laughs> like, at some point. just to be like everybody just like leaves, and then you just have yeah. like, like a little I don't know, like a train of players walking down the pitch. I guess like, yeah. is that a thing? That's has someone? Is there a video of someone trying that? I would love that. Uh, yeah, I'm. Not, you know, I'm. I'm sure one of our fans who's a fan of rugby and uh, has this archive footage, being like, "This is my time. Please <laughs> send that to us." Yeah. Um. So, if a mall has stopped moving towards the goal line, the attacking team has five seconds to get it restarted. So, you'll notice in um, some games when the driving mall's going, it stopped, the referee calls once. Uh, so, that is the indication for the team to get moving again. But if it gets stopped a second time or the five seconds elapse, the referee orders the attacking team to use the ball in open play within reasonable time. And that is the use it command. That also happens in rucks as well. Balls passed out, it's e or it's either a box kick or anything like that, but that is classified open play, and the mall has ended. Uh, a mall can legally end when the ball carrier leaves the mall, the ball is on the ground, or the ball carrier scores a try in this instance. So there were two occasions in the game again with Canada's game against the USA where Canada actually got penalized and it was a USA penalty. So they were going for their mall and then they get a penalty. Why did that happen? So in the first instance, no American players joined. And because no American players joined, it is therefore not a mall. As such, Canada went into automatic mode. They had the ball, they went down, and they had, I think it was like Sophie de Goody was at the front and she passed the ball back. However, now that means that a player is in front of the ball when it's not a mole. That is an obstruction and that is the penalty offense. And in the second instance, only one American player joined. And that wasn't enough to call a mole. So the same actions happened again. The ball gets passed back. It's classified as obstruction. That's the penalty. So the mole itself wasn't penalized. It was the fact that a mole wasn't called and the resulting actions caused the penalty. So yeah. I hope that makes sense to all yes. our listeners and fans and understand why Canada were basically penalized twice at the mole oh, when it wasn't. Yeah. 
I mean, like it's it's obviously a big, a super important thing too, right? Because like the malls, as we've been seeing with Canada, like they can be like essentially weaponized. I mean, you know, during this game, we talk about the five meter, like the malls from five meters out that are leading to all the tries and stuff. But, you know, during this game too, Canada was using a mall like everywhere on the field, like off a line out, right? Because they were gaining so much, uh, so many meters and momentum off of it, right? So um, like, and, you know, there was uh, certain cases that they gained like 10, 15, 20 meters just by driving the mall forward, right? Um, yeah. As you kind of outline there, um, you know, there's a lot of rules with how you can like bring a mall down and how to defend it. And quite frankly, it's kind of hard to do, right? Especially if, uh, um, you know, you have a team that's proficient at it and they can get the mall rolling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll uh, pull up like there was an incident in, an instance in the Saracens Exeter game from this past weekend um, where Exeter was like rolling their mall um, towards the try line and uh, Saracens Miko Vinapalo, um, he kind of came in from the side and essentially just tackled the ball carrier, breaking up the mall. And that obviously ended up being a penalty try um, yeah. coming in from the off offside position and stuff. Right. But it's, you know, it's one of those plays too, where it's like, you really, you look at it and it was like, if he doesn't do that, they score anyways. If he does do it, they score, right? Yeah. Like it's a hard thing to, uh, to bring down, but you know, ultimately like in that situation, he's probably better off just letting Exeter steamroll his team and have, and score the try. Cause now, now the try is scored and you have a yellow card, right? So it's yeah, so, yeah. but um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to manage, a tough thing to call, but obviously if you know the laws, then you know what works, what doesn't, and uh, yeah, you're able to get a better hand on one of the many facets we love about this game. Yeah. All right, so let's focus on some MLR news, and we're starting with the Toronto Arrows, as always, because there was the announcement of two players that have re-signed for MLR 2023. The first of them, Tyler Rowland. And the second is actually a player who is currently applying his trade overseas. He is the player that is on loan with Hong Kong Sandy Bay. Adrian Wadden has re-signed for MLR 2023. And depending on how uh, Sandy Bay season goes, he may be arriving a little bit later <laughs> in uh, the MLR season, but hopefully back in time for the games in Toronto. Rugby ATL has announced that they have signed a multi-year deal to play at Silverbacks Park. Um, you know, from what I could see on broadcast, it looks like a really good arena to have, um, moderately sized. And, you know, if you can get the fans there, it seems to be like a good home for the rattlesnakes and definitely something to look forward to over the coming years. And sadly, it has been announced this week that San Diego Legion's Chris Robshaw has announced his retirement from rugby. He mentioned that he has dislocated his shoulder three times within the past few years mm -hmm. and he believes that his body is telling him this is the time now. He has set up a charity with his wife and will be focusing on that which focuses on giving opportunities for young children um, in both sport and music. So uh, you know, Chris Robshaw, obviously decorated player, um, captain England at um, 2015 World Cup, has uh, played um, multiple years with England since, um, and then uh, joined San Diego in 2021. You know, when we had Michael Smith on the podcast, he was talking uh, very positively about what he's learned from Chris Robshaw, obviously yeah. being on the back row as well. 
And yeah, he's been a great uh, steward of the sport. And obviously, you never want to um, be forced to retire through injury, but that's the um, that's the circumstances that we have when it comes to a full contact sport. So just like to thank uh, Chris for all he's done for San Diego, for MLR, and for rugby. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, Rob Shaw's an unreal player. It's a legend. And, uh, you know, um, it's a kind of kind of unfortunate. It feels like his time in San Diego was uh, pretty marred by injuries, which obviously is, you know, a factor in uh, his decision to to retire. But, you know, I, I, I still think like it'll be one of those things like, you know, going forward that it's you know, the longer that this league lasts and, you know, in 10 years, it'll be cool looking back on the league, seeing that, you know, guys like Chris Robshaw, you know, played in MLR and stuff. Um, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, um, you know, if the, the league has a lot of success going forward, like we'll look back and, you know, as North American rugby fans, we'll look back and remember that he was one of the first like legends to come over in that group with uh, that. I'm sure we'll have guys like, uh, you know, in names like Foden and Nanu um, that yeah. will be kind of part of that like you know that group that's come over um yeah yeah, it's it you know obviously you know rugby atl going back to silverbacks park that's cool love to see uh teams uh you know locking up some stadiums and um you know growing the business side of it a lot so as we said the women's rugby world cup continues and you can watch that all on tsn again the game against the USA will be 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, the 29th of October. Uh, the Premiership and URC is available on the Sportsnet. And the America's Rugby Trophy match between Canada 15 and Brazil 15 will be on Wednesday, October the 26th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Not yet confirmed where it will be on. Maybe it will be on YouTube again. Maybe it will be on different channels. But when we know, we'll let you know. And if you want to keep up to date with us, you can find us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at La Rouge Rugby. If you enjoyed watching our podcasts as well as getting any extra uh, videos, we are on our YouTube channel again at La Rouge Rugby. And if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can do so again on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. If you want to follow us individually, Derek, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Reset the Jet uh, across all social media platforms. And you can find me at Hardmansfell, H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me for another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. And thank you all for joining us as we talk about real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time. Mm-hmm.